music, drugs, and the rise of an icon. We watched Ray, and this is what we had to say. The victory! The story of the life and career of the legendary rhythm and blues musician Ray Charles, from his humble beginnings in the South, where he went blind at age seven, to his meteoric rise to stardom during the 1950s and 1960s. Joining me this week, we've got social media cult leader Sasha Reed, uh, <laughs> and her unfortunate opponent in Heat 3, Vanash Reed Tapliel. And we've also got Greg Shackleton joining us, as well as our guest this week, She's here to talk about her awesome podcast, Choose Film, A Real Retrospective, and her life coaching service, High Vibe, High Life. We have Ashley Sutherland. Welcome to the show, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. Great to have you here. Great to have you here. So looking forward to talking to you all about your projects later on in the episode. But first, you've got to help us with reviewing Ray. So, Sasha, first question. Do you consider yourself a competitive individual, Sasha? Or... I didn't, I didn't see that happening. I was just like, you know what, I'll just maybe message a few group chats and a few people and see if they just, we'll just have a wee two seconds to spare and um, if just hundreds of people ended up voting. And I was like, oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> and I, I loved Ray, so I really, really did want it to win. So I was really happy when it did. But I was like, whoa, okay, this is, because like the few, the ones before, there was maybe like 30 odds and then this went into the hundreds and I was like, whoa, go girls! <laughs> <laughs> So yes, maybe I am a wee bit, especially when you don't really have much to do now. So I'm like, I'll just message another few couple of people. No, I haven't spoke to you in three years. I don't know. Do you want to just vote for Ray, please? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'd expect nothing less. I mean, you, you two are, are two big film buffs on, on, on the panel for sure. So I was expecting nothing less for, for your vote off. And they're both great films. Like Ray and Behind the Candelabra are both fantastic films. I'd, I'd been happy with either choice. So, Sasha, can you tell the audience, first of all, why did you pick Ray? Well, I kept thinking of, like, other biopics, but that one just kept coming back because I watched it loads when I was younger. See, when we had, like, TVs in our room with your DVD player and you're falling asleep to a movie, that was in that was in the DVD player for months and months. I was like, this is just such a good movie. There's so much in it. Ray's, like, been through so much, and he's also a massive prick at the same time. So it's like... There's so much happening in it. It's not just this poor blind guy can play the piano. It's like he's an arse, but you also really love him and you really he's really inspiring. So I was like, do you know what? I can't. I keep coming back to it, so I'm gonna just pick it, and it's my favorite one. So I was like, I may as well. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. V, I really don't know what to say. I mean, you picked a great film. I mean, out of all mm-hmm. out of all the votes, this was the one where I thought I can't call this one. Like like on on face value, I was like, I don't know, I don't know who which one's gonna win this one, but. It's just the way it goes sometimes with these with the public vote, isn't it? But you pick behind the kind of lab route. We will be getting to talk to you about that later on in our segment, What Might Have Been, and we'll have a wee chat about the film itself. But can you tell everyone, had you seen Ray before? Was it a boon bonanza for you? Or It was a boon bonanza. Yeah, what did you think about it? So, I thought, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was interesting. I mean, it was it's it's just standard biopic, I felt. It's you know, kind of um goes across each you know his childhood his uh his just his whole life so there was a lot of a lot of things to cram in there um I did find it interesting because I didn't really know a lot about Ray Charles and it was interesting to see which songs he actually did um 
you know, you recognize the songs when you see them in the movie, you're like, oh, he did that, mm-hmm. um, which is a bit naive of me. But um, yeah, it was good. And the performances were really good. Um, so from that point of view, you know, you can't knock it really. Uh, it's, it's, it's a good film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just a, yeah, you're right. It's just a very, very good film. Greg, what about you? First time viewing for you, and uh, what are your first thoughts? Yeah, uh, I didn't. Uh, I don't really do biopics. Uh, I kind of like I like my fiction. Um, but this was spectacular for me. Uh, had no expectations going in. I knew that Jamie Fox had acted his ass off throughout mm. the entire thing. That's main, the main thing that people seem to talk about uh, when they talk about this. And uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't have any real uh critical thoughts on it i just it just happened to me for two and a half hours and it was a really pleasant time yeah yeah definitely Even Actually, with all the heroin and dead children <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah exactly exactly uh ashley welcome welcome so was this a first time viewing for you and what are your first thoughts yeah it was a first time viewing and uh like greg i thought two and a half hours long one and sometimes i see a film and i'm like okay two and a half hours what what am I going to be watching here like what is drawing me in but it was amazing it went so quickly I just I was an hour and in and I was thinking how does he have more to go through like he's already been through so much of uh, this stuff in his life the ups and downs and everything Um, I thought it was fantastic I thought Jamie Foxx's performance was unreal and it really hit me towards the end how much you know I judge an actor's performance on you know, what's behind their eyes and, you know, little glimpses in their eyes and you're just like, oh, that's unreal. Mm -hmm. But obviously he has his eyes closed the whole performance and it's incredible. So yeah, it was a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. Not not only that, prosthetics, prosthetics for 14 hours. 14 hours. Yeah, I'm like unreal. Yeah, he he did he did a lot of stuff for the soul, which we're going to talk about later on, I think. But yeah, lot lot of effort put in by by him for sure. I mean, we've got to this point in the episode for the past two weeks, and I've gone, eh, this genre is not really my thing. Well, that all changes this week, folks, because my word, my word, biopics based on true story films, these are totally my thing. I mean, as I've kind of said on the the show before, if it's a good film, the genre to me doesn't generally matter, but I was looking through Google, Google um, at kind of this this kind of genre of biopics and based on true stories, and I've seen about ninety percent of these films. I was like, "Oh, Craig, get a life, man, get a life," because it was it like genuinely. I think this is the most of a genre that I've seen, and yeah, it's just it's just one of those things where if it's got if it's got writing at the start and writing at the end, you've got me. I'm hooked straight away. That's it. I'm there. So it doesn't take much to please me when it comes to a biopic. But honestly, this is this is a fantastic film. And the main point for me, I suppose, really is, as, as you've all kind of established already, is, is Jamie Foxx's performance. I mean, that, that is my main point about this film. It reminded me of a of a, something that I heard both Michael Sheen, actually, the, the actor, and Michael Caine. They both said it in separate interviews. And Michael Sheen's obviously quite famous for playing real people. But they both said a very similar thing. And it was, if you're watching an actor, okay, during a film, and if during the film, during, when you, while you're watching it, you think to yourself oh, wow, that actor's doing a really good job. Oh, wow, he's really doing well in this scene or she's doing really well in this scene. Then the actor has failed. And I thought that was a very, very interesting thing to say. And it's, it totally applies here for me because I can honestly say that throughout this film, didn't think about Jamie Foxx once. Not once. Not once that he was totally, totally Ray Charles. And I don't mean that in some kind of method acting way. 
I could talk for ages about method acting and my, my opinions on method acting, but I don't, I don't mean that in a method well, way. <laughs> no, because I'll, again, I like Paul last week, I'll torpedo the episode. So, I mean, yeah, no, like it wasn't in a method acting way. He just, I was just totally invested in Ray Charles's journey. I, I, I was excited to watch him rise up the music scene. And I was genuinely angry when he was being horrible to his wife and cheating on her and, and, and putting all that stuff in his arms. And it was just awful to watch. And I was totally invested in that journey. So that was the key for me, for sure. And then afterwards, of course, you can appreciate the fact that Jamie Foxx was incredible in, in this film. And it's probably why, and it's very obvious why he won the Academy Award for this. It was absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, now, for actually, from my own personal interest, because obviously, as I've said, I, I, love, I love this genre. So I know, Sasha, you've already established that you love you love Ray, and this is your... Hey! Yeah, <laughs> it's your favourite. What's everyone else's favourite biopic or based on true story film of interest? Ashley, I'll start with you. What's your favourite one? Do you have one? Yes, um, I'm going to go with Wolf of Wall Street because Leonardo DiCaprio, mm-hmm. anything he's in, I love. But mm-hmm. I, I've, I don't think it's really hit me how much I've hated a character so much, but also been like really drawn to them. Mm-hmm. I felt bad for that, so he just totally encaptures that guy's life how crazy it was um there's some other incredible performances jonah hill margot robbie um yeah love it Mm, yeah yeah greg what about you uh i had to google a list of (laughs) biopics just to sort of refresh my memory to see if i'd actually watched any of them no not not a one uh Mm. i thought about stretching the definition of Mars attacks to a biopic. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, so I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna I'm gonna cop out and I'm gonna say this because uh, yeah. it was it was everything that uh, I thought this wouldn't be. Mm, mm-hmm, mm. Yeah, it's a good choice. I'm sure Sasha agrees with you. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, v is behind the candelabra. Your favorite, or do you have another one? It, it's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I'd say um, it's. I, I do love Behind the Candelabra. It's an mm-hmm. awesome film. Um, but aside from that, Vice probably. Oh or yeah. yeah, The Big Shot. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really. I, I really. I, I enjoy biopics that are a bit quirky and do it a bit differently. Um, yeah. So yeah, Vice is Vice uh, is great with Christian Bale just portraying Dick Cheney. It's just mm-hmm. it's amazing in that, and just the way it's made is just so good. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, both Adam McKay films, aren't they? Both Adam McKay films, Spice and uh, Big oh, Short. I, I think they might be. Yeah, I think they might be. Yeah, um, I agree with uh, Ashley and Leonardo DiCaprio, but a different film. I mean, one of my one of my favourite films. I, mean, I honestly, I could list off like twenty biopics. I'm, I'm going to narrow it down to two. Um, one of my favourite films of all time, and I mean like top five, is Catch Me If You Can. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, sh- I yeah. thought you were going to be the aviator there, but catch mm. me if you can. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. I'd, I'd forgotten about that one. Uh, yeah. There you go. Because that's so entertaining. You forget that it's it's a yeah. real dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, oh, I mean, sorry. Like, catch me yeah. if you can now. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Uh, both Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks could have won Academy Awards for that. They're, that's a cracking film. Also, Amy Adams in an early role as well, which which is cool. And um, yeah, but also I think in terms of like a straight up biopic though, I think. It would be the Damned United, Michael Sheen again. I'm talking about him again, but yeah, Damned United, which is a, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a football, it's a foot based on a football manager. But I don't think you need to be into football to like really enjoy the film. It's a very well made film. Like if anyone, anyone in the industry is watching, I think they kind of appreciate the fact it's very well put together. But essentially, it's about the life of Brian Clough, who was this um, 
like prolific football manager back in the day, but he was like kind of the first of like the kind of modern era. He, he kind of changed the game a little bit. He had a bit of a personality, a bit, bit quirky, and yeah, he was really good in interviews and all these things. But yeah, Michael Sheen's incredible in it. He's obviously famed for playing real people, but Timothy Spall's also in it. Really good performance in that. But yeah, really, really interesting film. If you if you if you've not seen it, you should definitely catch it. So, moving swiftly on, let's get cracking with chatting about Ray. So, we kind of talked about the formula a little bit in that introduction. I mean, it's interesting. Biopics they don't tend to have a kind of set formula that's like totally set in stone because I mean it's someone's life you can't kind of pigeonhole it into 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 a formula that's kind of cinematic sometimes we kind of get the whole lot though with with this film but it's just kind of not done in the in the fullest of possible ways you've got the introduction you've got the backstory you've got the flashbacks you get the rise of Ray you get the the decline and you get the the kind of rise again the phoenix on the ashes moment but that kind of last part's kind of done an exposition at the end you kind of can i see a specific aspect of ray's life in this film and i think what was quite interesting about the film especially in terms of the formula is that and i think it's quite true for a lot of musicians lives and also a lot of mu- music biopics like rocket man bohemian rhapsody all, all these types of films the professional rise coincides with the personal decline like they, they kind of run parallel to each other and I, I like I, I've been for this season in particular I've been writing notes kind of based on the formula so I've been kind of like making notes and numbering them um, based on that but I couldn't really do it this week because as I said they happen at the same time you're watching Ray get more famous bigger and bigger but at the same time you're thinking come on man you're, you're, you know like the personal aspect like the way he's treating his wife as we've talked about the, the heroin the drugs the, how the money's affecting him and how he's affecting his decisions it's all happening at the same time. So it's all happening one after the other until we eventually get this climax at the end. So, however, it does start with the conventional introduction. Where is he at this point in his life? He's he's he's, he's at the bottom of the rung. He's like just doing all these little bits and jobs, little playing all these different clubs, trying to make it in the music industry. And we get the flashbacks to his childhood and what happened to him back then. So I'll come to Greg first. Greg, what do you think of that aspect of the film, and how well do you think the film executed these parts? Uh, well, it didn't really uh, hit me how well it worked until uh, we got to like the last five minutes. Essentially, like the uh, the order of the flashbacks was really interesting to me because the um, they acted as um, accents to the um, not uh, yeah accents sorry to um, the events that had, that we'd just been shown. So first time he takes heroin, the scene before that uh, was um, his brother drowning in the tub, and then immediately after he takes heroin for the first time, we cut back to that god awful funeral scene and how excellent that was um and then we have another scene where he's 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 becoming blind and it's the, the slow deadly decline and then when we join ray again in the present day he's on the road he's touring he's doing all the music uh, musician things that we'd uh be hoping and expecting that he'd be doing by this time and he's and the camera's sort of lingering on every uh woman that's just gazing up at him in thinly veiled sexual awe and <laughs> And it's oh so and 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 it didn't really occur to me until later on like it was it was we have we had trauma we had inciting incident we had band aid solution that he just stuck on there and hoped that it would uh, eventually fade away into nothing like heroin tends to do and then we cut to his next vice which was other women and that sort of grew into its own thing um, throughout his marriage and multiple. Uh, partners following that i really liked how they were put together and i didn't they didn't really sink in uh, just how effective they were until the film was over and i actually had time to think about it because at the time i'm just going from one emotive scene to the other and i don't and because they're all so good i'm not really thinking about it until the next one happens so it was it evolved very organically in a way that uh took me a while to appreciate 
you don't really notice the time going by. It's two and a half hours, but it, the way it's put together, it just kind of all flows and it's just wonderful to watch. And you, you do not notice that time go by at all. Sasha, what about you? What do you think about the opening part of the film? Yeah, no, no, I loved it. Um, it was good to show what where he came from, what kind of person he was. Because at the beginning, you're like, oh, he's this jazz guy. And then the next scene is like his mom. It's like, don't let anything ever turn you into a cripple. And you're kind of like, oh, it's funny because some people would be like, oh, if you're blind, that means you're you're crippled in a way. And then when it turned out to be like the whole drugs and stuff, I was just like, oh, man, that's what she was meaning. She's like, be who you are, but don't let something control you. And you think it was maybe just like the music or women and stuff, but like the drugs were totally destroying him. But no, I thought it was good. I loved it. And I loved all the flashbacks. I think the flashbacks really helped you kind of understand what kind of person he is and why he became the way he did. Even though it's, some of it's not exactly true, but in the film, it was it was good how they did it. Um, and it really made you your heart sore for him because I'm like, he's sweet brother. But see the end bit when, um, I think it's the last flashback, and he takes his glasses off and he's grown up. And as soon as you hear like George saying Ray, every time I see that, I start crying. I'm like, oh my God. It's like, so okay. And she's like, don't worry. His mom's phenomenal. His mom is my, I, my his mom's my favorite character. Like she's proper, like, this is how you do it. You're only going to get taught once. You're, I'm only going to show you this once. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But anyway, yes, it was good. The opening was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, on about a rant there, but yeah. Yeah, it's your film. You're allowed to do that. You're allowed to do that. Uh, it's just, it's Gosh, so do it. And you start thinking of this, and oh no, but this bit was really good. <laughs> I liked the um, way as well. It was um, they used different techniques, like the the coloring was very different for the, the mm. present and the past. So the past was all like bright and very yeah. green. Um, so it's interesting to see that, and it also to me it felt like he was where he was at that time because of his mother. So his mother essentially was everything that shaped him in this film. It just showed you how much he depended on her at, you know, at the start and how she taught him everything. And that just kind of resonates throughout the entire film. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Actually, was the mother's performance a stand-up performance for you as well? What do you think about the opening kind of scenes? Yeah, absolutely. I thought she was phenomenal. And I think right from the start, we see Ray's independence and his confidence. And this is not a story pitying someone that's blind. He is confident. He stands on his own two feet as his mother has taught him. And I think the flashbacks really open up that he's been sort of exposed to tough love his whole life. And that's made him who he is. And it's been really powerful because really, if his mother had a babied him and you know wrapped him in cotton wool he wouldn't be able to have done half of the things that he has so yeah I loved that they set that up and it was just like this is the way it is take it or leave it he's strong he's independent he gets on that bus he lies about um you know how uh, blind. yeah I didn't even get that at first I was like all oh, right okay and then I thought I was like wait I thought he said it was in the war and then I was like oh okay okay actually like switch yourself on um <laughs> But yeah, I just love his independence. He obviously things scare him. You get that flashback to him going away to the blind school and he's got his name, you know, written on a sign. And that must have been absolutely terrifying, but yeah. he just had to go for it. And then, you know, once you go for something, your comfort zone's expanded and that's how he's able to achieve like such 
amazing success in some ways and then a downfall in other ways so yeah love that whole setup Mm -hmm. I think the uh, the frequency of the flashbacks as well I thought was quite interesting because at the beginning you have quite a few uh, right after the one after the other and then for the middle huge chunk of the film um, it's sort of this meteoric rise of albums this way and that collaborations mm. listening um, new women um, new records new record label and then you you and it's because it's such a long span of time uh, to sit and watch as as well as the span of his actual life you sort of forget about that horrific scene of the kid drowning in the tub at the beginning and and then you and then you forget that oh he must have been doing heroin throughout all of these scenes but because they don't show at you for the longest time like ray you sort of push it to the back of your head and it's no longer uh, something that you uh, that you devote a lot of time and energy to until of course it spills over when that uh, motif of feeling water when there is no water um, yeah. whenever that just sort of pops back up and you remember, oh yeah, this was, this began horrifically and uh, it's turning sour all over again. Mm-hmm. And I like it when a film can literally do that with the time that it has and just mm. make me forget a very important visceral thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, he watched his brother die. Like he mm. tried to have done something, but he was obviously in shock and he, yeah. and he, oh, we forgot about that. And then it comes mm. back again. You're like, oh yeah, no wonder he's a bit of an arse. <laughs> and, he ne- and he never forgave himself. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think Greg, you're absolutely right. That's what I was thinking to myself as well as you were talking there. Yeah. I think it's a, probably a conscious choice on, on the filmmaker's part to, to, to show the kind of that he's trying his best to just push all that stuff in the past, but he then at the end just can't, it comes back again. He, he can't, he can't quite get rid of it and neither he should. He's got to embrace that thing that happened to him, that terrible incident that happened to him so he can then move on and, and recover as, as we, as we, as we know he did. So, Moving on, as you were kind of alluding to there, there, Greg, as well, the main portion of the film is this rise up the music industry. But as I also alluded to at the start, it also includes a lot of personal decline, the drugs, the women. So, Sasha, this is your film, so I'll come to you first with, a, with this bit. What, how did you feel the film executed the, the rise and fall of Ray on, the, on these two parallel storylines? Uh, I think it was done really well, which is... He's, he went from, it shows him going from like this wee, I'll just be the piano player. And then um, the guys, a lot of people would take advantage of him at the start. But then once they realised how good he really was, he was able to kind of slowly turn that around. But he turned it around in maybe a more negative way because he was all, he was really, ended up being really horrible to the people that really cared about him. You see, when he first got married to his wife, I was like, oh, he's got his wife, it's going to be great. And then he starts going on the road and, sleeping while the room and I'm like hey, hold on a minute he's got his wife that he really wanted and I was like I don't understand that and I was courageous I'm like, obviously wait years ago when I first seen it because I was like but he's married and that's his wife and he's why would he do that sir <laughs> and you kind of see why he's just he just he's, a, he's got many addictions to many different things and yeah they do start mirroring each other in a weird way and you're just watching someone being a human like He's on the road, he's he's lonely, so he's gonna yeah. and especially because his bandmates at the start would like leave him and he'd just be he'd never really be in social situations. So mm. women and drugs, maybe he felt like using drugs would kind of connect him with other people and it would kind of have something to do together to socialise with. Um and also to forget about what he'd been going through and his brother and being blind. Because like he does say at one point he's like he's in the dark every day because he seems so confident and funny and quick and 
he's actually terrified all the time. So the music hides that as well as the drugs. And it's Kerry Washington wasn't stupid. She knew what he was doing, but she's like, "Well, I've got your home, and as long as you don't bring that back here." But oh yeah, it's, it's, he's just—he's an arse. But I love him at the same time, and you're just like, "Oh mate, you've gone through some shit, and you're—you're you're pretty shit, but you're—you're you're still a person." And that's why I thought it was really inspiring because you see all like the cracks as well. It's not just all perfect and sunshine. That's, is that the, is that the a good metric for a, a personal biopic where you you can take uh, someone warts and all and you can you can still be amazed at the amazing things they do and you can still be sympathetic to the terrible things they do mm-hmm. in the meantime and you can just take it all in one big stride as who that person is and isn't that what a biopic's supposed to do and not, not as opposed to something like Bohemian Rhapsody where it's just the shallowest greatest hits cuts mm. of uh, the life and times of these people yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> yeah i thought it was good as well like how um i guess with his rise in um you know as as he got more famous and more successful he he did it because he took risks and he the whole gospel thing mm-hmm. he didn't people were really pissed with him when he was you know taking well-known tunes that were meant to be godly and just like changing them and making them their own thing and it just showed that he was he didn't really care what other people thought and he was so confident in that and he knew it's what other people wanted and he just went for it and that's what made him successful and it also this portion of the film as well it tells a lot of his story through music through the songs um you know, for example, you've got you've got his rise um, with with the more chirpy songs, and then you've got the the whole thing with Regina King, and it's like hit the road. <laughs> you know that whole section. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that section um, because it was just telling the story through the music. Yeah, and then like later on, he's a bit more chill or a bit sad, and then he's starting to bring out all these like country slow songs and all the choirs. So definitely, that works well with it as well. But yeah, it was and it, at the beginning he's like, I'm so good at like imitating people, I don't actually know what my own sound is. And then he did eventually find it with like gospel and stuff like that as well, mixing everything. And because at the end of the day, no one's ever gonna, not everyone's gonna like the same thing. So some people are gonna be offended and some people are gonna find it fantastic. So you just have to go with your go with your flow and do your own thing. And he did that really well. Yeah, definitely. I feel like the whole middle section kind of kept me on edge because I was like, what's going to fall first? Like, is his personal life just going to, you know, go out the window, which it kind of did? Or like, is this going to un- impact his career? You know, when the managers start noticing his uh, his leg yeah. shaking and stuff mm-hmm. and he's like, well, I can turn up and record, uh, record like a record in one take. So mm-hmm. what are you going to do about it? And I'm like, okay, okay, he's just hitting us. And it was that constant, like, when when is this just going to all tumble? That yeah. kind of kept me on edge. And, you know, the, the sort of rivalry between uh, Marianne and Margie, and he kind of had them two on the go at once for a mm-hmm. bit. And then Marianne just kind of, I don't know, that was kind of open-ended. Um, but, yeah, I was always on edge. Like, who's he going to piss off next? Who's, like, going to bear the brunt of his addiction or like what's going to happen with his music career when it's like at the absolute peak so yeah I just didn't know what was to come and I mean I didn't know anything about his life so maybe that's why as well. (laughs) Mm. 
it was kind of interesting like the uh that the Jim Crow uh scenes were sort of like the that was the uh the final straw uh mm-hmm. so to speak because if say the police hadn't been searching for his planes for his his coaches if they hadn't been looking for a reason to uh imprison him for whatever they could get their hands on uh would he have fallen off the wagon would if if the police hadn't gotten involved and exposed his uh drug habit to the press would he uh would he have kept going or until yeah. something else had cracked like it was it was and I, I know that ray charles was had quite a had quite a role in the making of this film yeah, so yeah. i wouldn't i wonder if that was the uh if that was the first domino to fall mm-hmm. that it was that was something outside of himself as opposed to a personal choice that he made he didn't he didn't make that choice to clean himself up until the law and the state of georgia kind of forced his hand mm-hmm. but who knows for that I choose to believe uh, that it all worked out fine yeah. because of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but then he did. I think he did pass away from something to do with liver. Something to do with his liver. So so it was, like eight, was it a year after this came out? Pardon? Was, was it a year after the film was released, like 2004? It was the, <laughs> was it the same? same year. Oh. <laughs> That's one of my questions. So just pretend you forgot about it. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Who are you? What? <laughs> <laughs> I know we've got to be so careful now with it, with this with this new with this new game that we're doing at the end of the show. Okay, yeah, I mean a big part of this film is definitely the music. I've kind of been chatting away about that for sure, but I mean, what, I mean some of, some of my favourite scenes in this film include the songs. I mean, what um, what, what I say is I think that's my favourite scene of the whole the whole film when he, when he's got that extra twenty minutes and he's got to fill it and he just makes up this song. I absolutely love that scene. It's such such a good scene. Um, also, though, I love the Hit the Road Jack stuff. That's one of my favourite songs, actually. I mean, for, for me, for me, music peaked after the 1980s. I th- I've always felt I've been born in the wrong decade because I love like, anything between the 1950s and 1980s. Anything after that? What you kids listen to? All this raving nonsense? No, not, not for me, not for me. So, I mean... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, my favourite song is, I think it is, I Can't Stop Loving You because... Years and years and years ago, I watched like a kind of anime um, movie called Metropolis, and it's the first time I really was affected by music in a film that I remember. And then um, it's like the end scene, and everything's blowing up, and it just like it's in slow motion, and that song's playing. It's just I was like, oh my god, it's like bombs going off, and it's crazy, and it's just a slow, beautiful song, and I was like, this is fantastic. <laughs> And then I just, yeah, so when I found out Ray Charles, because my mum said, like, oh, that's Ray Charles. And obviously I didn't really, I didn't have Google back then to be like, oh, who's this? And she just maybe told me bits and bobs. And then when he, when a movie came out about him, I was like, well, I need to see this. And I did really like Jamie Foxx as well. And I was like, this is great. I'm like, so we'll just keep playing that and falling asleep to all the songs. But yeah, that's that's my first memory of Ray Charles. So I think, and then I was like, mum, is this song in the movie? Because she'd seen it first. And then she's like, mm, no, I don't think they play this one. And I was like, oh, and then it came on at one point and she just side-eyed me and she's like, got you. And I was like, oh my God, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so. I think, for me, me ener- <laughs> I think for me, the energy like just completely changed and lifted when he started singing the mess around. Like oh, that was just a such, mm-hmm. such a change. Like everything had been so, it was quite slow and mellow. And then obviously that is the start yeah. of his, heightened success 
but there was just a huge lift. I think I can't even remember what I wrote down in my notes, but it was all in capitals. I was like, yes, I'm here for it. It That just totally lifted me up. I loved it. Yeah, you're just like, din, 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 din. and you just yeah. have a good mood after hearing that. And you're like, okay, let's just dance. <laughs> That's, dance. The, that's the thing you're getting you're getting excited and happy you, you're starting to see oh that, i recognize that i recognize, I recognize mm-hmm. ray charles's voice you know i recognize that song and you're kind of you're, you're you're enjoying watching him find himself and find find his voice and what kind of art, artist he's going to be and that's a key part of the film as well that, that's key why why you you like the character because you recognize the songs you and you're invested in that sort of thing and that's why it's so much more heartbreaking when you realize this is a flawed human being because a lot of people you you revere these people you know especially iconic artists like ray charles musicians in general actors as well but you've got to remember as well that they're human beings and that's the thing that this film does very very well it shows this it's not like a celebration of them it's not a complete condemnation of them it's both it's showing you the real human being it's showing you ray charles in, in the truest possible light mm. i think that's why the film is so successful and why it, it it was so successful in the awards as well for sure so i'm having another go at this because i i, I felt that i didn't do myself justice in the moulin rouge episode all, all those episodes ago and i want another crack to see if i can fool you fool the panel so i have four statements four statements Two of the statements are true, fun facts about this film from IMDb Trivia. And two of these statements are things I've literally just made up. So your job is to use one question each. You've all got one question each to try and work out which two are true and which two are the fake news. So I'll read them out first, and then you've all got one question each. So statement one, a miscommunication resulted in Don Cheadle turning down the role of Ray Charles. Statement number two, Fox continually practiced the piano, losing sleep because of it. Statement number three, Jamie Fox, like Ray Charles, had to have an intervention because of his partying around the time of this film coming out, and it was done by Oprah Winfrey. And statement number four, Jamie Fox didn't know that his vocals had been replaced on the film until seeing the final cut. Okay, so those are your four statements. All right, so I'll start with Ashley. Ashley, what is your question for me? I can answer them as best I can, as much as information as I know, and we'll see if you can work it out. Okay, um, how did Oprah Winfrey intervene? So apparently, as the story goes, Jamie Foxx, as I said, much like Ray Charles, he was getting a bit too far with the partying. He was It was the kind of height of his success. He was nominated for the Oscar, I think, by this point. And he was, it was all kind of going to his head a little bit. And I think Oprah Winfrey and a bunch of other uh, African-American actors, African-American public figures, they came together and essentially sat him down and said, look, you're a, you're a superstar here, all right? You can't throw your life away. You've got to just settle down and get on with this and just have a much more mellow career and you'll, and you'll do absolutely fine. And it was, and yeah, she was the one who, who decided to run the intervention. Okay. Sasha, what's your question? How How is there a miscommunication with Don Cheadle? I can't imagine him playing Ray, but anyway. So, apparently it was a casting assistant that made the mistake. So they sent out the scene to John to, to John Cheadle's agent at the time. They, they passed on the scene and it was a scene between, it was early on, one of the scenes early on in the film, it was between Ray and I think Terence Howard played the part of Gossie McGee. It was one of the early scenes. And there was a miscommunication. Don Cheadle thought he was reading for Gossie McGee. 
and said, no, I'm not, I don't want to do it. I don't want to audition for that part. So I think, I think it was because he played a part very similar to that recently. So he didn't want to do another one like it. Um, and he just said no, and that was it. And then they moved on. I think Denzel Washington also passed on the role. Um, and then, yeah, it went to Jamie Foxx eventually. So that's that's number two. Okay. V, what about you? Are you just taking my questions? Um, <laughs> no, I actually took my questions. So I was like, oh, quick, think of something else. Um, I've got one if you need a minute. Who, who, um, so was, was he learning the piano from scratch when you were saying he was losing sleep? I think I mean I, this is a separate fact. I he did he does genuinely play the piano in this film. He does he he learned how to play the piano. I don't know if he learned how to play the piano for this film. I think I kind of heard that somewhere. I'm not sure if that's true, but I think he definitely was learning the piano to the standard for this film. And apparently he would he was on set. He'd do his 14 hour days, and he would just go home and just keep practicing the piano, keep practicing the piano, trying to make himself look as believable as possible. And you know, we know from other things that he, he learned Braille and all these other things that he, he did all these things for this role. So it's not it's not too outside the realms of possibility, I would say, that he that he also was losing sleep by learning the piano. He would, I think he'd come in without like two or three hours sleep to the next day of filming. So there you go. Greg, what about you? Last question. I can ask you any question. Yeah. Um, which member of the 100 cast is your favorite? Oh. <laughs> Do I have to, I think it's, I don't have to, do I have to tell the truth? I, I, mean, we're in the, I mean, we're in the realms of your game here, so you could lie. <laughs> exactly. Also, mm. I didn't have a, I didn't have a question, so. <laughs> I don't know. That, that is the toughest question I think I've, think I've had so far. I, I mean, I uh, all very different. Shut up. <laughs> let him talk. All bring different things to the pot, so. <laughs> yeah, let, let him squirm, let him squirm. Yeah. We're all special in our yes, own way. Yes, yes. I, I, lo- I love you all. You're all very special people. There you go. Gun to the head. <laughs> right well, then. I, I think that him losing sleep playing a piano is true, but I think he did, he did, he could play the piano before because Ray Charles met him and said, right, can you play the blues? And then they were playing blues together. And then he was like, ah, he's sound, he's got it. But I think he had to get like specific things so I think he ha- he was always practicing that. So I feel like that one's true. Okay. I can't really, I don't really know about the other ones. What is that of a misery, Craig? Yeah, I want to say the Oprah one's true. I love okay. Oprah. So that'd be, that'd be good if I hope it is. My Oprah's got you. You stop now, okay? <laughs> v, what do you think? Um, Maybe the first one or the piano one. Are both true? Yeah, I think they're both true. <laughs> okay. Greg, what about yeah. you? Uh, I'll say Oprah and the piano one because I've forgotten the other two. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Oh, I'm, try- I'm really trying. I should have written them down. I thought they'd be a recap round. And I'm still wanting to know who's your favourite. And... <laughs> Quickly, what was the last two? <laughs> the last two um, that, that you haven't mentioned, uh, Jamie Foxx's vocals were replaced and he didn't know about it till the final cut. And I think, well, V's already said the miscommunication once she thinks is true. So, any mm. any any changing before you before we lock it in? I definitely think the piano one's true, and I think maybe the vocal one could be true because he does sing his odd wee bits and bobs. But I think Ray recorded most of them. But I'm sure he you'd tell someone that. 
No, it, I think it, it was they, they. He gave them permission to use a lot of his stuff. So why would you even try to yeah, yeah, make, recreate but, um, that? Okay, mm, I, don't know. I definitely oh. I think the piano one's true. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, the other ones are not true. <laughs> right then, I will reveal all. So, uh, the first one, a miscommunication of Don Cheadle. I'm sorry, V. That was a lie. Oh, God. I finally got one. I finally got one. Okay. <laughs> Uh, number two, uh, losing sleep with the piano. That was true. That was yes. true. Uh, the intervention with Oprah. True. Yay! <laughs> yes. Well, uh, and the vocal slug I made up. Yeah. The vocal right, okay. Jolly good. Yeah. For 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 any uh, for any Marvel fans, the Don Cheadle thing was a, a little bit of a red herring and allude to the fact that Don Cheadle replaced Terrence Howard as War Machine in Iron. Uh, yeah. It did occur to me, and I was like. <laughs> oh. <laughs> God, you took the long way around with that one, Jesus. <laughs> oh. Anyway, to horn shoe some marvel into the show for mm. sure. Yeah, well, we're missing the people. We're missing Andrew and stuff on this one. So don't indulge them. <laughs> Talking about grown-up stuff with grown-up people. <laughs> right, let's move on and to, to grown-up stuff. Let's talk about mm. the decline. Let's talk about uh, the drugs and the money and how the personal kind of aspects of this character, it just totally fell by the wayside it totally started it begun it started to affect him as we kind of saw and it culminated into this uh, rehab moment so i'll come to v first fee how well do you think the film executed the the personal kind of decline of ray charles in this film yeah i think i think we've covered a lot of it but i would say that um for me the decline came at when he was discovered with the drugs as in his drug kit and I think that kind of, instead of him going, oh, I'm going to fix this and I'm going to try and be a better person, he kind of took it as an attack and it kind of projected to him into this kind of reckless journey into just being an awful person with the 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 kind of having affairs on his wife um treating women you know like their objects just replacing them treating people in these bands like being there from the start just replacing them with people that he thought could get him somewhere else so he was replacing people that were good for him personally as a friend with people that would take him to higher heights as a as a performer so I think that definitely kind of that was the point where it kind of just sent him on this journey and the whole um, drug abuse as well. I think it, he, even though he was taking drugs himself, he was quite, there was one good thing about him where he was not wanting, maybe because he didn't want to share his drugs, but um, he'd be like, no, you can't have these drugs because to Marge, you know, it'll just be bad for you. It, it won't work out. But that sent her on her journey of like, of being an alcoholic and she her she just declined as well so she was experience, experiencing the same kind of decline as well um and she died which kind of really hit him hard um i think also the whole um jim crow aspect with the um the police kind of being there already you know he he was set up he did have the drugs but they were there to find the drugs on him and it kind of showed you that he was he was being punished to a much more harsher level than, say, his white counterparts would be other people in the business because they didn't want to see, the authorities didn't want to see a successful black man 
or a person who spoke out about these things. They didn't want to see the emergence of black culture in America at that time. And this was a really racist period of time. This was like the 1960s where segregation still existed. And I do feel, I do feel they could have maybe focused on that much more in this aspect and not to make it a one trick pony kind of movie where it's just about the racism that he would have received. But he was a black man living in segregated America. And I think it would have had quite a fundamental effect on his his decline. Um, so I think they could have maybe shown more about his experiences. You know, when he's um when the reporters come in and he's in jail and what actually happened to him there, how was he treated? Um, those kind of things. So so yeah, so and and also with the the rehab scene as well, you know, the that to me was probably although depressing was probably the best bit for me because it was so visceral with the whole um, kind of the, the camera work, even me watching it, I was feeling a bit sick uh-huh. yeah. with the jerkiness and the, the fast pacedness of it and, and pacedness of it. And it was just um, really, really affecting in that way. So it was really good um, to experience that kind of decline with him and how difficult it was for him to just bring himself back up mm-hmm. from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sasha, how, how did it feel to watch Ray go through this portion of the film? Yeah, well, not well. Speaking from that last scene, I liked seeing him trying to get better because he's just showing that he can put his mind to something and do something. So throughout his whole life, he's always done that. But when he first started, you were just like, "Oh no!" And but see, when his wife found the kit first, that weight at the start. And then it was so nice and sweet. And as soon as she found out, she's like, no, you need to stop this. I'm going to come on tour with you. And he's like, no, actually, no. You're going to stay in my house and I hope you're back. And that's when he just kind of slowly started and seeing him become a dickhead. I was like, oh, no, this is only the start. And then it just did just get worse. And you started seeing him doing his wee shake. And But the thing is, he never, ever, ever missed a concert. He never missed a recording. Like, he, he was... Like music was so important to him, he would never miss anything. So I mean, I guess that's a, a pro of the, him taking drugs. He was doing, he was still doing everything he had to do, um, but he just obviously didn't really care about the people around him anymore. He just wanted to get bigger and bigger. And I don't even know if he realised how much he would lose. Like, see when Kerry Washington's like, you will lose your music, not your family, not your friends, your music. And that, if I think if he didn't have music. He would have, I don't know where he would have gone. I don't know if he would have died or what, but he wouldn't, he just, his life would not be the same. So that really did save him. It's interesting how much we're willing to forgive incredibly talented people. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. Because, I, I mean, look what he could, like his, his producers say, it, like, look, he's got the junkie shake. And they're okay. like, yeah, but he's he's doing the junkie shake while he's smashing out uh, a new LP yeah. first try. Like, where, where do you... Plaster over it a wee bit. Like, is it is it a problem if if it's not stopping him from doing that? I mean, Making us money though, so mm-hmm. do you know what we're right? <laughs> well, no, I mean, they're also his friends at the time, and I believe that. Mm-hmm. In, no, yeah. yeah, in this, but like, I mean, you can apply this to any celebrity meltdown. Um, like Michael Jackson, for instance, like people forgive all kinds of uh, shenanigans because he of the amount of presence he had in popular culture mm-hmm. Elton John's very similar as well actually yeah. Rock- Rocket Man's got a, quite a similar trajectory as well to, to, to Ray for sure the, mm. yeah, yeah yeah and you're right yeah it's when, when where's the line essentially and is the line moved because they are 
famous or because they're talented, should their line be moved? Should the line stay the same? And it should just be a, a blanket thing. Yeah. Um, and that, that is kind of the kind of moral questions you're kind of being asked uh, as the viewer in this film, for sure. And, you know, what, what, what's more important, his health or, or, or the music and what he's giving to society? And yeah, but I think what was interesting, actually, because in these films, and again, I'm going back to Rocketman again, actually, but in these films, you see these producer types, these money-making people, nine times out of ten they are portrayed as these kind of vampire blood-sucking people who will literally get this person to the point of literally almost dying before they go actually maybe let's let's sort them out maybe um you know it's, it's always that way. but actually i quite enjoyed curtis armstrong's character yeah he was quite he was actually a, he was a nice guy and he actually did care about ray and he and he, he uh, when when all was said and done at the end of the day they were friends and when ray wanted to move on the other guy was a bit like fuck's sake but he was like i'm i'm really proud of you i'm really proud of you for, for taking this next step in your career we can't give you what you need on, on you go for sure actually what about you how did you feel about the, this kind of decline aspect of the film i think it really hit me when he bought the new house for his family and you know they walked into that empty massive house and you could just see Della was just so unfulfilled and you know the kids are there the Christmas trees up he's getting the phone call from Margie like oh. trying to get him to come over and stuff and yeah he I'm glad he stays away from it then but I don't know it just feels so empty that whole scene I mean I know they've used an empty house so obviously it's empty but it, no it feels there's yeah exactly there's no love there and if you think back to how he was when he first met Della and it was so pure mm-hmm. how could it get to this and I just thought wow that was really awful to watch and I think a lot of the time the drugs are kind of hidden from us a lot like there's quite a quite a period where we don't see him taking any drugs and you think like okay how bad is this getting and then it just hits you again and then his addiction to you know affairs I would say as well and you know enticing other women and it's just awful and you you want him to do well because as you said um he's just he's amazing and he's having such success you think yes just like get your life in order live your best life be as successful as you can be but there's this underlying like trauma unfolding and it's horrible to watch Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I always wonder like with all these kind of bands and all these singers that took drugs, you do always wonder if they didn't, would their music be the same? And you're kind of like, obviously you don't want, I don't want people to be taking drugs to make good music, but that's part of their lives and how these songs came about and stuff like that. So you're like, um, yeah. your music's good. We, we, we at the 100 are not advocating the use of drugs. No. <laughs> <laughs> but if but we will advocate excellent music. <laughs> you, do, you wonder, like, is it because you were taking drugs that your music's so different, or did that even not affect your music? Or Oh, that's a whole other podcast. God. Oh, no, <laughs> right, <I know>. right. <laughs> we could be here all day. Oh, <laughs> yes, please. And, like, hmm. and that's probably why they're like, he seems okay for now, so we'll just leave him be. Well, like, take, I mean, if, take, take out the fact that it's incredibly dangerous and it'll eventually kill you. Like everyone has uh, their own coping strategies and mechanisms yeah, for, when they're, for when they're doing anything like physical activity, creating mm-hmm. art, music, podcasting, etc. Like everyone, there's always going to be that thing that th- that scratches that itch uh, that allows you to power through and mm-hmm. do that thing that you're desperately trying to do. His just happened to be serious drugs, and he managed to do that and create some of the most 
timeless music uh, mm-hmm. of, of a generation. So mm-hmm. it's it's less about the, for me at least, it's less about the uh, cause and effect and just like, no, no, this is part of the this is final part. picture. Yeah. I th- <laughs> like I think he did all well, those yeah. things and, and he did, if anything, it's more impressive. Yes, exactly. Because I can barely see from like hungover or something. I can barely string a sentence together. Yeah, I'm struggling right now and I'm just like really just... <laughs> I was just gonna say you have to remember that he went blind in his childhood. So yeah. he he didn't he wasn't born blind. Mm-hmm. So he knew he was missing out. Exactly. And he, he knew what he his life changed. So he probably had to like depend on drugs because yeah. and affairs with women to ex- just get that extra like stimulation in life or something that he was missing. But um, he also he also eventually learned to live without that. Like he'd live without his yeah. eyes. And it's just it's interesting yeah. how that heroin took longer than uh, the loss of his eyesight. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I didn't think his mom was a big help with like when oh, yeah, she was blind. I love that see that scene where he falls, he runs and falls, and then he's, like, shouting for her, crying, and she's Great just scene. like, I'm going to see what he does. Oh, my God, it was awesome. And he, <laughs> he starts hearing all the things, and then see when he, he picks up the wee cricket. Ah, oh, I started greeting again. I was like, oh, my God. And he's mom, oh, just brilliant. I just love it. And I'm like, I thought he was going to legitimately eat it for a second. It was like, <laughs> yeah, I was a bit it was like nobody's, it. nobody's here. I'm just going <laughs> to... I was like, I don't know if I can do that, so you can get that away from me. <laughs> no, it was amazing um, when he just said like I can hear you too mum or yeah, whatever it was <laughs> it was just like oh my god he's getting it like oh yeah amazing and then it leads to the scene where he's telling Della to listen out for the hummingbird that's outside which mm-hmm. was just stunning so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's yeah. beginning to believe <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> very quickly before we kind of move on to, to the eight questions to throw them all section um, just the ending of the film because I said at the start it's quite interesting how they don't show you the rise again they don't they don't show you that kind of aspect of his, of, of his life it's very much exhibition at the end it's very much this final scene in, in, in Georgia where he gets allowed back into Georgia to perform so how did we feel about the end did, did, did anyone think they were left wanting to see that kind of journey of him getting back to to being where he where he eventually was in his life, or did we think it was actually a good way of finishing the film? I'll open that to anybody. Anyone can jump I, in. I think it was a good way to end it because it was quite a big positive thing that had happened, and it was a, a real important thing for black music and black people and everything. So the fact that he got to come back and they apologised publicly was a brilliant thing, especially it was not long after him just getting over drugs as well. So I thought it ended in more of a positive place because obviously it went up and down throughout the whole film. But that, I thought it was good because I was like, well, after that, what what would you be seeing that you'd want to see, like you needed to see? I feel like we'd seen so much and we kind of grew with him already that I was kind of happy we're finished. Mm-hmm. I mean, where would you finish a biopic if the person that you're doing it about is still alive? Like, you have to just pick yeah, a point yeah. and say, right, this is when your life became less dramatic or less mm-hmm. interesting, or this is where we're going to end things here. And I think the it was it's a symbolic ending uh, yeah. to have uh, the state that banned him welcome him back. But like, it's the film. The, the film is about him overcoming trauma and. Be finally becoming that person that his uh, mother raised him to be, and we took the long way around to get there. But it could have. I think I imagine after he'd uh, uh, got off the source, that uh, his life became a bit less dramatic, mm-hmm. and 
probably less uh, inspired to make a film about those years when yeah, uh, you've already you've already done you've hit all those milestones so mm-hmm. like why why have any more yeah it felt like a bit of a sigh of relief at the end you know you thought mm. everything's going to be okay even though we know it was okay like he died in 2004 or whatever but noted that it was later. just, <laughs> it, was just <laughs> it was just that sort of okay I, I have closure now life is good and he um, has that line saying I think it's Stella asks him like oh if only your mother was here and he says she's she's here she's always been here and I was just like yes and that just made sense with all the flashbacks it's basically like his mother is his intuition like leading him all these different paths and I just thought mm-hmm. yeah I'm happy now thank you yeah. <laughs> I think it would have been a, like more of a, if it didn't end at that point as well it would have been more of a slow burn drama Mm. probably would have gone on for a long time but, Stephen um, King miniseries yeah and um, I I just remember thinking when I was watching it just being shocked that it took them that long to apologise Yeah, exactly. that's what I was shocked at this was 1979 or something mm-hmm. and I was like wow that is so recent you know in, uh-huh. in it's I just I just can't believe that they this that was still going on mm. um, it's just shocking in that respect for me yeah yeah, definitely, definitely. So, thanks, guys. That was that was great. I really enjoyed talking about the film with you there. So, now our new segment on the show to finish off the film discussion, <clears throat> or to Sasha for eight questions to fool them all. Right. Okay. Well, I've got eight, so I'll give two each to you. Obviously, um, I'll start with Greg. Mm. Okay. Ray has numbers sewn into his socks. So we can tell what colour oh. they are. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What, what colour socks are number two? Were they blue? No. Ah. Nah. It was close. They're brown. I think number one. No. Number... It was close. <laughs> close. It was no, 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 close. Like, I remember he was talking about it. It was like brown. It was brown on top. No, no. When she packs his shirts, it's brown on top, then blue, and then a white. But this was socks, wasn't it? Socks. I have I have zero sock notes, Sasha. I was all about the upperwear. Oh, it was close. It was close. <laughs> Blue, oh. brown, or um, what's the other one? Black. What it could be one of them. All right. Okay, Craig. Thank you. Thank you. Craig. Yes. What is the name of the gospel group Ray's wife sings in? I knew I was going to be absolutely useless this week because I, I, I did not pay attention at all. I was purely watching the film. I did not I did not even think about Excuses. it. Excuses. I know. Um, no, don't have it. Sorry, okay. guys. It's is this, it? Does anyone want to know? I'll just say it. Well, he, he says it, he said Cecil Shaw singers, but I keep going, Shush, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Cecil Shaw singers. <laughs> But yeah, because um, you were talking about how much you like them and then she phones and you're like, oh, and then they start dating. It's so cute. Anyway, um, three, who will I give three to? Vinashri. Okay. What was Ray's mum's name? Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Mama. Mama. I've totally forgotten. 
it's a great question. Mama. Yeah, it's a great question. Ooh. I mean, if you want, yeah, you should call her Mama, but her, her real name was Aretha Robinson. Yeah. Aretha? <laughs> um, uh, okay, Ashley, what was the name of the record company Ray recorded his first single with? Uh, <laughs> the only one I know the name of is Atlantic, but I know it's not that one. I was one before that one. Well, was it oh. two before? I don't know. Does it begin with an S? Yes. That's all I know. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, she's going to go. <laughs> no. It's Swing Time Records. Uh, so you're, you're, you're closer than the socks, I was, maybe. I was on the way. <laughs> Come on, we've got to get one between us. I know. Okay. So we'll go back to Greg. Um, where's my thing? Okay. Um, what city? You should get this one. Was it city or was it state? Sorry, state. What state was had banned Ray for playing for almost twenty years? Georgia. <laughs> we got one, guys. Come backs on. Come backs on. Let's go. <laughs> Salvaged it. <laughs> um, Right, he'll use know this one. What, uh, Craig, what year did Ray Charles pass away? 2004. Yes. So, okay. 4 2. Uh, what day? <laughs> was it February something? Um, okay. Time. Vinafri, what number does Quincy Jones call Ray as a nickname? Just, just think about it, V. Just think about it. What's his name? <laughs> Ray Charles. Um, uh, I don't know how that was a good clue. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Ignore me then. Um, Ignore me. Um, it's uh, um, lucky number five. <laughs> <laughs> he calls him six nine. So like, Ray, six, nine. Ah, the, the sex number. Cool. See, that's a better clue, Craig. You said it's a sexy number. <laughs> sexy number. Um, yeah, um, apparently, because I looked up to see if there's some, some meaning behind this, um, he said that Ray sometimes didn't want him to say his name in public, so they called each other these numbers. And then also, apparently, Mr. Charles was a fan of certain sex Maths. <laughs> so they, that's prime fine. numbers. <laughs> you like prime that? For sure, it's a prime number. <laughs> um, Comment below if you think this is a prime number. No. <laughs> um. So Ashley, how many stairs were outside Ray's childhood home? Um. Because oh. his mom's like, do you remember how many? I'm gonna say four. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Dignity intact, I would say, for that one. Yeah, yeah. Well done, Sasha. Well done. Congratulations. Congratulations. 5-3. Not bad at all. Yeah, well, the panel has not won yet. The panel has not. We were so close last week against Joseph. It was quite It was quite a harrowing experience last week. Joseph came back and won. It was horrible. But, yeah, so we'll see if, how we got on next week in our final. So... Very quickly, before we move on to what might have been, can we very quickly just run through buy, rent, or refund for this film? So buy means actually a collection, loved it. We're going to watch it again and again. Rent means 
you enjoyed it, but maybe recommend it to those who you think might might enjoy it. And not in any rush to rewatch it. And Refund says, no way, not watching this ever again. So, Ashley, I'll start with you. Buy, rent or refund? Oh, I'm going to go... I'm going to go rent because I don't usually watch films like more than once unless it really does something to me. And I, I'm happy with having watched this once. Cool. Okay. Sasha? Well, I've, I've, I've got it on DVD and it's all like dog-eared and all that. So I've, I've yeah, I definitely would buy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Greg? Uh, I mean, I'll say rent because... Uh, I only need. I think I only need to uh, hear his story once, and mm. I'll listen to the music for the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. V. Uh, rent. Yeah, just for the same reasons. It's it's quite it's quite a long film to watch, and you mm-hmm. know, once you know it, you know it. Yeah, so like you need to. It's interesting to see his life. Um, yeah, but now I know it. Yeah, I'm agreed. I'm agreed on those fronts as well. Rent for me. So we are a rent for Ray, but you might disagree. Let us know in the comments at 100 Film Reviews on Facebook and Twitter. Buy, rent, or refund Ray. So, as you know, behind the candelabra, unfortunately, lost out to Ray for this episode. So, over to V to defend its case for what might have been. Well, if the public had made the right decision... <laughs> oh, no, no, we can't start like that. ...and <laughs> voted for in the candelabra, we would have witnessed the greatest romance of the 20th century between Liberace and Scott Thorson. Um, we would have seen... We would be here discussing um, Michael Douglas's exceptional, fantastic portrayal of Liberace. Balding, pot-bellied lavishing his lover with gifts and promises of adopting him as his own son. We would see Scott Thorson descend into drug abuse and mania as he struggles to cope with Liberace's infidelity and willingness just to toss him aside for a newer, younger man. And also we would see Rob Lowe's dedication to plastic surgery playing the doctor hired by Liberace to make his lover look more like Liberace. Mm -hmm. And finally, we would see sparkly outfits, lots of sparkly outfits. (laughs) So this is what we would be talking about if we had seen behind the candelabra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A travesty, a travesty. Travesty, yeah. Yes. No, I, I, I honestly, I, I actually voted for V this week. Uh, I really, I really did. I mean, mainly just because <laughs> Sasha was so far ahead, but, but, but also because genuinely, I, I love both these films, but I really do love Behind the Candelabra. I, I actually, I actually to this day don't know why I watched it. I'm not probably just because biopics were my thing, so I thought, oh, okay, yeah, I'll watch this. Um, but uh, I was so surprised by it. It is incredibly funny, but also Michael Douglas is really really good in this film like he like again award-winning level performance i would say matt damon is also really good in it again surprisingly surprised by everything about that film in terms of music in terms of the performances and this and it's all just learning about this bizarre man's life my it is so bizarre has anyone else actually seen the film has anyone seen the film or just watched the trailer i've watched it i've only had to watch it and uh, it came on TV randomly. It was on one of the movie channels, and I was like, "Oh, I need to watch this." So just record that. And, uh, gave it a rewatch, and yeah, it was. 
I was expecting, I don't know, because so many people were like, oh, but this is a really good movie. I don't know. And I was like, well, if, I mean, if you're going to vote, just just vote for Ray. But, I mean, you vote for whatever you want. But he bribed them. Well, I mean, I just think it was like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't be voting if I didn't ask you to vote. So just vote for Ray. Um, and then I was like, oh, so many people were like, oh, no, you need to see it. It's really good. And I'm like, oh, man, I feel bad. Um voting against this when I've not even seen it and then I did watch it and I was a bit like mm. I know I really <laughs> wanted to like it I, I love I love everyone in it they were the acting was good it was good but I was also like no this is no I didn't leave feeling like I'd ever want to watch it again I didn't mm. leave excited it didn't give me a, a feeling i didn't feel really connected to them i don't know i just were you already tapped out on eccentric enigmatic drugged up musicians and you, you know, just if you gave it a couple of weeks you'd have been fine yeah i'm like maybe i'll watch it again and then hmm. I, i'll write a retraction or something <laughs> <laughs> but so far i was like oh, i really wanted to like this mm-hmm. yeah yeah Oh well, I'm not even looking at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> no, not not another fall. We had Paul and Joseph last week. I mean, oh, anyway. Well, Sasha, well done. We will see you in the final for Trade Spotting Two next week. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. And I hope you're all ready for me to regale you with stories from set because it honestly was one of the most bizarre experiences of my entire life being on that film. Let's move on to Ashley. Ashley, you are here to promote your wonderful podcast and also your life coaching service that you offer. So I'll start with the podcast. So Ashley, we had your counterpart, Gary, on the show last season. We had a chat with him on the Midsummer episode. So tell us about the podcast itself and how did you guys come together to actually start the show? Um, So I'd worked with Gary, I think it was 2017, um, on one of his short films and then on his 90-second horror film as well. And then at the end of summer last year, God, that feels like so long ago now, <laughs> um, when you could go to a coffee shop and meet another household, um, he approached me with this idea about starting a film podcast. And I love podcasts, but I never even listened to a film podcast. So I was like, oh my God, yes. And also because I'm really bad at not having seen like the classics. It took me so long to watch The Godfather and Titanic and stuff like this. I just watched... When I was younger, I watched a lot of Adam Sandler and like Mary Kate and Ashley on repeat. It was oh, not yeah. good. <laughs> but yeah, I thought, do you know what? What better way to get me into watching, you know, films that I've not seen, but I should have seen and talking about them and really opening my eyes to other people's insights. And yeah, I've just loved it. We've done three seasons now. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been a great ride so far. Yeah. Um, is there any film that you kind of have surprised you in any way about that you've kind of reviewed and thought, I wasn't expecting to like that? Or well, actually, yes. I, I remember that one differently. Or, yeah, is there anyone yeah, like that? Definitely. We watched Pushing Hands. I think it was our second episode. Um, I saw the cover of this film and I thought, okay, it's a martial arts movie. It's so not that. It's about incredible relationships. It's just amazing. 
I I think I gave it a nine out of ten, but it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, Ang Lee's directorial debut, just incredible, mm-hmm. and I didn't think I would like it at all. But mm-hmm. here we are. <laughs> what about hate? Those are always fun. <laughs> hate, it's a film that I hated. Mm. Um, do you know what? The only film I wouldn't say I hated any film, but the film that I really it just wasn't for me was Alien Three. But we had mm. Gordon on, who I know you had on, was it your last, it was just your last episode? Uh, that uh, yeah, episode 11, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, what an amazing guy. Like, when I when I spoke to Gordon about um, Alien 3 on the podcast, I was like, oh my God, his insight is just incredible. And I was like, I need to watch this again because there's <laughs> so much I've not picked up on. Um, so yeah, at first that film for me was just not really, not really my sort of thing. Um but I just appreciated it so much more after after chatting away to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you better watch out Gordon's it's sort of lifestyle, like a, a life coaching service because he oh. he's incredible. <laughs> he's incredible. Become the patron saint of Scottish <laughs> podcasting. Exactly, exactly. So speaking of which, you also run High Vibe High Life. What can you tell us about that? Yes, so I started that, oh God, I think it was in September um, and I did my life coaching and NLP practitioner certification and I just wanted, I'd been so much in the mindset of like, I'm a struggling actor, you know, it's hard in a pandemic, like you can't get anything done. I'm always going to struggle because I studied musical theatre. I thought I'll never get into screen acting, even though all I'd worked in was screen acting. And I just had this awful, awful mindset. And throughout the first lockdown, I managed to turn that around, did so much personal development, got a little bit of group coaching. And I thought, I need to do this. I just need to help other creatives know that we don't need to be stuck in this struggling creative mindset and we can create our own paths and our own success and I literally love every minute of it It brings me so much joy and yeah I'm just so passionate about spreading the message of shifting your mindset and you know going after your truth and your passions and living authentically so that's what that is all about I coach one-to-one clients awesome Awesome. And finally, where can people find you on social media to keep up with all you've got going on? So I'm most active on Instagram. So that's at Ashley Sutherland or at high vibe underscore high life. Or if you want to get me on Twitter, it's at Ash Sutherland four. Awesome. Awesome. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And uh, we all hope to return the favour sometime and come on your show and, uh, and support you in that way. And eh, catch me if you can catch me if you can there you go that's my that's that's my pick if I ever come on (laughs) definitely thank you so much for having me I've loved this and Sasha thank you for picking Ray because I'd never seen it and I'm so glad I have awesome watch behind the candelabra as well I'm going to (laughs) (laughs) no it's really good ignore her I mean Mars attacks is there I'm not I'm not banging on about it Uh, thanks again to Sasha V and Greg as well. And of course, we finish with our life lesson as always. So again, a more serious note this week, because again, it, there is some good life lessons to take from, from Ray and the life of Ray Charles. And it's, I mean, it's very simple that no matter what, recovery is always possible. Redemption is always possible. And that's important to always be on the lookout for in life and to take that opportunity when it comes to get yourself better, get yourself sorted out and just live the best life you can possibly live. See you next time. I don't deny there's some strange evolutionary process going on. But mankind won't be destroyed. The fact that you and I are working here